0: This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Friday, May 16th, 2014. I'm Caleb Brown. It's been 60 years since Brown v. Board of Education of Topeka, Kansas, the case that struck down so-called separate but equal public schools. A lot has changed in public education, but some things like school choice have been slower in coming. Neil McCluskey is associate director of the Cato Institute's Center for Educational Freedom. We spoke yesterday.
1: Uh, Before Brown v. Board of Education, we had... uh... Um, legally mandated uh, racial segregation in the schools in many many states Um, and what was found was first of all I mean this was uh, abhorrent uh, just based on principle uh, but that this whole idea that you could have something that was legally separate and still have it be equal was just incorrect. Uh, there was always going to be a presumption, even if you had equal spending in these schools, that, the, that one group, the African Americans, were getting a lesser education. And, and I think the presumption was often that they deserved a lesser education uh, through this segregation. And so what Brown did was said this is not constitutional to have race-based separation legally required in schools, Since Brown, first of all, we learned that absolutely this was something that needed to be eliminated, that race-based segregation was a horrible thing. Um, But we also found that it is very hard, it's frankly impossible to force integration. And so ultimately what we need to do is empower people based on being individuals, as opposed to based on their group identity, to choose the schools that, that... Provide what they want. Now, some people, that may be they want religion. They may want no religion. They may want strict discipline. They may want loose discipline. They may want a, fo- uh, a focus on the arts. Um, whatever it is, they should be able to choose those things. And, and that is the direction we've gone, I think, in education very slowly, not nearly as quickly as we need to, and certainly not as quickly as, as African Americans uh, as a whole uh, seem to want to, but it's certainly been an important lesson, and we are going the right way. Enforced racial
0: segregation uh, was always uh, incoherent under this idea of separate but equal, as you as you note. But where does education stand now, public education, with respect to how different races are separated, uh, how they are educated, and how well? These different groups tend to perform
1: well. So, what we've seen is, uh, first of all, uh, in terms of outcomes, uh, there's been a very long-standing, very clear uh, achievement gap between African Americans and whites. African Americans and and Asians, also, I should say, Asians and whites tend to have an achievement gap, especially in math. Um, And and what we did see was, uh, depending on the age group, but you did see after desegregation. Um, after, well, in the early 70s, because that's as far back as our data shows. But for a while, there was great uh, shrinking of that gap. It never totally shrank. And then for the last two decades or so, it's been really stagnant. Um, And what we also saw was real resistance, broad resistance, I should say, came when after Brown, we went from eliminating forced segregation Toward moving toward forced integration. In particular, people, depending on how old you are, but if you've read your history, it, busing became the big mechanism to try and force integration, and that led to huge problems, especially as it was moved away from predominantly southern states that had forced segregation to northern states that didn't have those sorts of laws. And you saw people you know, really across the board Heavily resistant to this, including lots of resistance among African-Americans who didn't like their children being bussed an hour away every day on this presumption that they would only do well if they were in school with with white children. And so – and then you had – White Flight in places like Michigan in particular, but other places where they tried to force uh, or engineer integration within districts, and people said, okay, then I'm going to leave the district. Um, And so what we learned from that was that, again, if you want to get integration, it's got to be based on choice. And a very popular mechanism that doesn't really get a whole lot of people angry is magnet schools. Magnet schools are public schools that are supposed to attract people uh, from different parts of a city or a district of different races because it offers something they want, usually a science base or an arts base or something like that. Um, And now we've seen that there's huge support for, especially among African Americans, for vouchers and things like that, not with the intention of um, engineering Racial integration in terms of having different people of different races in the right proportion within the same school building. But because they want specific things. They may want religious instruction. They might just want certainly better instruction. And what we've seen is beginning of research showing that being able to choose a religious school or a school with a specific focus or just a private school tends to lead to more meaningful integration in which the students aren't just physically in the same building. But they are, they have better, uh, you close social distance between groups where the kids of different groups feel better about the other group. They tend to voluntarily sit with each other at lunchrooms at greater proportions than in public schools. And it seems to be because that thing that they're choosing, whether it's the religion or the science focus or any number of things, is a greater bonding agent. That overcomes their differences than just saying, "Look, we're going to force you into the same schools, so you share the same four walls." It's got to be based on something that everybody wants. What does the polling data indicate about uh, the
0: desire for this kind of choice?
1: Well, I mean, the polling certainly shows that African Americans very much favor private school choice. About sixty-seven percent, depending on the poll, but this is a 2011 Harvard poll. About sixty-seven percent favored. Uh, universal school vouchers. So, and that means not just focus on one group, but anybody could get them. About 80 uh, percent favored private school scholarships that were funded through donations for which people got tax credits. Now, those were focused on low-income kids, but clearly there's huge support among African-Americans for this, and of course there is, because they're the ones who've been underserved historically. They're the ones who have had no power, and real power comes when you can control the money to educate your child, uh, and they're the ones who are suffering these bad outcomes. You see less support when you get into wealthier people, uh, less support often among uh, white people, uh, but still – you have pretty broad support for school choice, especially when you move away from just the term voucher into things like tax credits uh, or tax credit funded scholarships. And a lot depends on how you frame the question. So if you say, as is typically uh, given to people responding to survey that, well, do you want public money to go to private schools? They say no. If you say something like, would you like to give everybody an equal opportunity to go to a private school? Those numbers go way up. Is part of the uh, disparity between
0: uh, wealthy people and white people and uh, um, and black Americans, is part of that that wealthier people live in suburban districts and tend to have access to better public schools?
1: Yeah, almost certainly a part of it is that a lot of people, especially wealthier people – and there is a correlation between wealth and race – is that they have chosen a school, but they chose a school by being able to buy a very expensive house in, in a good district. Um, and that is about as inefficient and ridiculous a way to enable people to choose a school as you can imagine. And so often it seems that people support uh, or, or oppose school choice because they say, look, my public school is good. Uh, the public school I went to is good. The ideal should be everybody just has a great public school. And most people, you know, because they're not policy wonks, they have regular jobs, regular lives, haven't thought about, well, what is the process by which education is actually allocated? And they don't often realize that the choice came through the ability to buy a very expensive house, which lots of people don't have. And so certainly that's a big part of why you see different levels of support in different uh, groups.
0: Neil McCluskey is author of the book Feds in the Classroom, and he's associate director of the Cato Institute's Center for Educational Freedom. You can read more of his work at Cato.org.